Welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And on this week's episode, we're taking a look back at Phoenix. It was the end of the West Coast Swing. We'll look at how that race went down, how the bets made out, and look forward to Atlanta. as They're coming back to the East Coast and now kind of getting into a weird part of the schedule. So we'll talk about our thoughts on Atlanta Motor Speedway or Atlanta Super Speedway. We'll talk about how we're going to be comping this race and trying to make something out of it to create some picks and feel good about certain bets that are out there on the board. So we'll talk about guys that we like to potentially win the race and then get into some specific prop bets, finishing positions, just like we usually do. And then to cap things off tonight, we've got something I'm trying out, a little bit different. Going out on a limb here, but uh, tweeted out a little bit of a teaser earlier this week, calling it not March Madness, because we know that that tournament is starting up this weekend. No, this is Car Madness. That's right, with the NASCAR involved here. So a little play on words. I know I'm very creative, but uh, we're going to unveil a bracket and talk about how you could potentially play and get involved in this Pool. So, Karch Madness coming up at the end of this episode, and you can find that on YouTube as well. So, let's take a look back here at Phoenix because William Byron, he does it again. And, you know, this was a race that it was tough to kind of see how it was going to play going into it. Um, Larson dominated practice put the car on the pole, and then performed very well through most of the race. Byron won stage one, so he was out there. Um, but he gets you know a little bit shuffled back and is the beneficiary of a late restart. That's twice now that that's happened for William Byron. And not only that, it happened twice at Phoenix because the first late restart, Larson got away from him, but uh, ended up having a second one. And that second one, he was able to take control and win the race. So back-to-back wins for old Willie B. Now, uh, can't take credit, you know, on the podcast. Did not call him out as someone early in the week. The only thing I can say is if you follow on Instagram, um, threw him in there as a live bet. It got him at plus 500 when he was out there looking fantastic in stage one at Phoenix. Because this is what led me to this uh, and throwing in a live bet? First of all, I just want to say live betting has been huge so far this year. Um, capitalized it on it here. Uh, definitely got in on some bets in previous races that maybe didn't pan out, but you know we were in on them maybe after practice and whatnot. But we're going to call out picks on the podcast. But this year, more than ever, I feel like it's you know definitely been something very important if you have that ability because you can cash in after you see the product on the racetrack and this week was really rough heading into phoenix because no one really knew what to expect with this new package right so we made such a big deal you know my guest last week ryan stevens and i we talked a lot about what to expect uh, ahead of time but said practice is a big deal we got to see who's going to be good in practice etc 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 and that ended up being 
mostly true. You know, the, the Chevys looked good in practice. The thing that was confusing, this is a quick side rain here, the thing that was confusing was the Stuart Haas cars looked pretty serviceable in practice. I mean, Briscoe and uh, even Almirola, you know, he was up to 12th, I think, in practice. Harvick looked good. Um, so those guys looked good in practice and then qualified so poorly. So my thought went to, all right, well, let's see what we got here. Because the whole reason they have this new package and they're working on it is to make the racing you know, more competitive, more action. And will those Stuart Haas guys be able to recover from a bad qualifying? That is not what happened. Um, now, we'll get to them in a second, but you kind of thought they're just going to drive right through the field. Nobody was driving right through the field. In fact, the real only way to make up positions was on pit road or green flag pit stops. Um, so that in itself, you know, getting back to the, the racing and the package, I was kind of unimpressed. I mean, if this is supposed to solve the woes of how bad races like Richmond were last year and how bad, you know, I mean, Phoenix hasn't been good in a little while. Uh, if this is supposed to solve that as far as like action on the track, this, in my opinion, did not do that. And I know they got to iterate on this and, you know, we'll have to see how the teams make out. But, you know, Hamlin, I mean, his podcast has been fantastic. They get it out, you know, really early in the week. So you have some time to absorb it. And he was saying, like, this is what you get when you get parity, right? This is parity to a T because the cars are so strapped together or they're hooked up so similar that, there's not really any way to pass on the track. And that's not what we want, you know? So, uh, except for Kevin Harvick. I mean, so we'll, we'll touch on him. We, we got the Byron live bet there, but uh, Harvick, he had it. And, you know, that race was his to win. I called Harvick out as a bet for top 10 as did a lot of people i mean he had that streak going why wouldn't he he's seen a million different packages at this racetrack this is just some place that he owns essentially and my god this was his race and he got the race stolen from him because of the late caution he was running away with this one took the lead talking about not being able to pass he hunted down larson who dominated most of the race and just took it away and ran. And if it wasn't for that caution, Kevin Harvick would be your winner of that race, and there'd be some people cashing some decent tickets on him. I did not have an, a money line ticket on Kevin Harvick, um, and I was kicking myself when he started pulling away. I was like, "Oh my God, how did I, you know, go all in on Harvick?" I went in on him on the ToolHangers.com. One in dumb pool, as did eight other people. So I know it was kind of in the basement of that uh, pool. Didn't really make up much ground, but, I mean, he made you look good because, hey, you take Harvick, you want to see him do well and, and cash a, a good finish for you. He did that. So I, I was kicking myself I didn't have him to win the race. But then uh, Larson took the lead back after the late restart. The thing that gets me is you think about Harvick, right? Two tires won that race on pit road because Byron took two tires. Larson took two tires. He takes four. And you know that track position is everything. They couldn't get back up there, you know, on that first restart. And he finishes fifth, I believe, or fourth. And that's great. 
But I don't understand. Like, we look back at Vegas last year, right? The same thing happened to the Toyotas. They took four, Chevy took two, and Chevy won the race. So I don't understand why these track position races, or or races that it's been tough to pass, these crew chiefs are calling for tires on pit road. Like, I I don't know. I'm speaking outside my pay grade, that's for sure. But I was just kind of baffled. And I was happy I didn't have him on the uh, money line at that point, because that would have made me uh, really upset if I had Harvick. So, you look at who won the race, it was Hendrick again. Hendrick is just motoring through. I mean, the the West Coast swing has been a Hendrick swing the last couple years here. And not only that, Chevy, as a manufacturer, is just absolutely pushing everyone around. They've won all four races on different types of tracks. I mean, you consider Phoenix kind of a short track, short flat track, and then you had a couple intermediates and a super speedway in Daytona, and Chevy has won all of them. So, I mean, that, that's just absolutely crazy. Um, so you, we're, we're going to talk about Chevy when we get to some of the picks later, but it's just you got to give credits where credit's due. You know, they're on top of it, and it's tough to find uh, a reason to really think that they're going to get dethroned anytime soon. So we hit the, looking at the bets, we hit the Byron live bet. But again, I'm not taking a victory lap here on the pod for that because I wasn't talking about him last week. But uh, we hit, if you're following on Instagram, we hit two of the three parlays we hit out there. So that was really good. Um, just missed on Ryan Blaney. Called Blaney out on the outright picks last week and he finished second. That one was tough. That would have been a real nice hit. Uh, but, you know, we'll talk about Blaney in just a bit here. Harvick, top 10, we called out. It was a really short number, but still hit it. Called out uh, Kyle Busch, minus 150 for a top 10. That hit. And uh, Briscoe over Alex Bowman. That was a big discussion we had with Ryan. Talked about how the data pointed to that. And for a little while, especially because after qualifying, Briscoe started in the back. That was not looking so great, but... As the race progressed, Briscoe found himself up around the 10th place position. He did finish ahead of Bowman. That actually, the second half of that race, that one was actually feeling really good. Um, after qualifying, I was like, God damn, that one's just toast. But Briscoe did find his way back up there and actually had a, a large gap on Bowman for most of the race. It ended a little closer than I would have liked, but still cashed the ticket nonetheless. Uh, Busher over Eric Almarola was another one we put out there. That hit quite easily, so feeling pretty good about that one. Uh, we missed on a Ryan Blaney over William Byron pick, so that one kind of stings because we had the second-place guy losing to the first-place guy. But overall, still a, a damn good day for uh, the podcast if you were following the picks there overall. And the tool hangers won a dumb pool, like I said, Harvick, so... Picked up some points there, trying to keep pace with some of these cats. I'm I'm a little down in the list there, but still feels good to pick a driver who did well. Um, something that I haven't really mentioned too much, but our friends at In Between Media and the Back Roads, a show that I have jumped on sometimes, our, our buddy Seth and Elliot over there, they actually invited me into their Fan Tracks Fantasy League. It's an all-season fantasy NASCAR league, and I had a real good day in that and i am now leading that league on fan tracks with those guys so um, feeling pretty good about that that is typically not my forte 
but you know, good race and uh, made made some good choices. Had Larson in there, had Blaney in there, as well as uh, some of the backmarkers who ended up doing fairly well. So, really good day, really good West Coast swing for the podcast here. Coming out of the West Coast swing with some good uh, positive money in the wallet. So, we will then pat ourselves on the back and then come back to the East Coast because Atlanta Motor Speedway is up next and we're going super speedway racing. I'm I'm still using air quotes for that, but super speedway racing yet again at Atlanta. This is the third time that this track has been configured this way. And the question is, is this going to run the same? I don't think there's any reason to believe it won't. Uh, Hamlin on his pod called out maybe some surface changes that could, you know, screw things up. We don't have practice this week. They're just qualifying and then racing, which I found kind of interesting here. But I think it's worth assuming that this is going to be another super speedway style race, you know, like a Thunderdome type deal on this mile and a half track. Um, I would really enjoy trying to go to a race like this because I think the racing overall was fun from a fan's perspective last year, from a gambler's perspective, you know, it's a little tougher to handle. But um, I think it's funny because it's a wild card race. But last year, I mean, you call it super speedway races wild cards, right? But last year, it was kind of a predictable outcome in both of the races. You had Byron and Elliott, who we knew, you know, Chevys were good going in. Those are both guys who are very great at super speedway racing in general. And they were your winners. So it's kind of... I don't know, maybe a less volatile track uh, when it comes to the super speedways. If we're throwing them in the mix of Talladega and Daytona, I don't think it's as much. I don't think you could say as clear as day like we do with the other tracks. Anyone can win. Now, I know we saw Corey LaJoy up front for a good portion of the stage three last year in Atlanta, too. But if you remember, Chase Elliott really dominated that race and he ended up getting the job done at the end. So, you know, the, the big dogs definitely eat at this racetrack. So I don't want to go all out by saying, you know, sprinkle everything on all of the long shots. We are going to talk about some sprinkles here and there. But at the end of the day, last year kind of proved that, you know, the bigger names got it done at this racetrack. So the data that I'm going to be using to try to look and, and come to a conclusion on some of these picks and see what stands out. I'm looking at 2022 very heavily here. So all of the super speedway races, the driver ratings, the average finish, I'm looking at the 2022 true performance rankings on win the race dot info. Um, and then got to look at both Atlanta races together sometimes, or, you know, a lot of times actually on this podcast, I'm going to call out the last seven super speedway races. The reason I'm doing that is because it's all six last year and Daytona this year. So those are some of the ways that I'm looking at, to find an edge here at this race. But overall, my strategy, I'm going to be calling out a a bunch of picks here because that's what I do, right? That's what I do each week. I'm trying to find guys that make sense, bets that make sense, but I'm definitely going to be betting lighter this week because, you know, if Daytona taught me anything, it's we got to maybe pump the brakes a little bit on the super speedways, find uh, a few races that, or excuse me, a few bets that you really are digging and then go in on them. But for the most part, I'm betting this race to have a little bit of fun. 
uh, not betting this as heavily as I did Auto Club or Vegas or Phoenix for that matter. Uh, this is just kind of light betting, sprinkling things around and, and having fun during this race. Because if things go completely off the rails like we didn't see last year, then you know, you'll be a little bit upset. So that's my strategy. You know, others might play it a little bit differently, but I'm a little cautious when it comes to, you know, super speedway racing in general this year and specifically this racetrack. It's kind of um, still keeping it at a distance, I guess you could say. You know, we're, we're not on the second date yet, you know, me in Atlanta. So let's go to picks that I like to win the race. And I kind of talked about how the big dogs were eaten last year. So I'm going to start with a guy who really stands out when you're digging into the data. And right now he's listed at 12 to 1, plus 1,200 to win the race. He is not the favorite. Byron, obviously the favorite. I should have mentioned that. He's plus 900 on some books, plus uh, 1,000 on a couple others. And it makes sense, right? The dude's on fire right now. He won a race here last year. So Byron, you know, you could tell me you're taking Byron. I'm not going to try to talk you off that one. But this guy really stands out because if there's anybody that could possibly get it done, it's Ross Chastain at 12 to 1. Because, you know, the stats, if you're looking at them, they, they really start with Chastain. Uh, both Atlanta races last year, he finished second. So this new configuration track, this Thunderdome type deal, he figured out how to get around this joint. Second place in both races 2022 his average finish on super speedways was sixth 13.7 and his driver rating was even better fourth in the whole sport 88.3 his true performance rank was seventh overall on super speedways last year atlanta number two he had the second fastest green flag speed the person who beat him in that category was kurt bush who obviously is not competing this year so you could say you know He's the fastest from the field last year. Um, if you include Daytona, the last seven super speedway races, he's got five top 10 finishes. That is most in NASCAR in that time span. So the last two years on super speedways, he's got the most top 10 finishes. You could say, well, we're calling somebody out to win the race here, Phil. You know, who cares about top 10s? I care because super speedways, the way you pick winners is trying to find the consistent drivers and if you're finding someone who is consistently in the top 10 five for seven in the top 10 that guy's got a chance to win you the race so um, i'm really feeling good about this i think now he's got a little bit of relief from the whole denny hamlin situation he got wrecked last week by hamlin they're saying that that's behind them they're going to race with a clean sheet now moving forward so that's got to feel pretty good if you're that driver so Ross Chastain, 12 to 1, feels like uh, someone who could absolutely go out and get it done. So he's the first guy that I'm calling out. And again, Chevy driver there at 12 to 1. Now we're going to get to a guy that I'm officially giving this award. Uh, I'm, I'm naming this award the I Can't Quit You Award. And I, I know my guy, Rod Cape, out there is going to laugh at this one because he, he hits me every time I, I call him out. It's Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney, I know the moment I don't bet Blaney at a track that speaks like Blaney, he's going to win the race. So I can't not do it this week. I think I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break next week, you know, at the Road of America. 
or excuse me, the circuit of the Americas, Coda, and then probably not taking them at Richmond. Um, so this is the track that I'm going to take them because I, I just can't quit them right now. By all metrics, Blaney should be a co-favorite in the odds, but he's not right now. He's 12 to 1. So this is the, the week that I think he really has potential to get it done. With Chase Elliott out of the mix, Blaney is the big dog, really, looking at the stats. Other than Chastain, who we mentioned was very good at Atlanta specifically, um, looking at the 2022 Super Speedway rankings, he was first in average finish, 9.0. Without Elliott here, he was first in driver rating, 94.4. True performance ranking was third out of everyone, and he was fourth in average laps led at Super Speedways. Fifth in green flag speed in the second Atlanta race in the summertime. I mean, he, he's just very good at this racetrack and, and this type of racing. Overall, Super Speedway Racing, Ryan Blaney is one of the guys. If you have a handful of guys in NASCAR that you think of right now, Blaney's got to be in there. And then you think about the fact that, you know, they reconfigured this track. Blaney was damn good at the old Atlanta. So now you're taking a racetrack that he was good at, and you're saying, all right, we're going to change it to a style of racing that he's even better at. I mean, it's just like two plus two equals fucking four. Like, I, this is how I feel. He's got to snap the streak at some point. Like, I'm sorry if I'm screaming here into the mic, but it's just like, oh, my goodness. Um, and the fact that he was second last week, just another just miss here. Just he's close. He's close. And I can't jump off this train and have it make it to the station without me. Um, three top fives, four top tens in the last seven super speedway races, and he's seven for seven in top 15s. So really good numbers there when you're talking about consistency. Um, three top fives in seven races. My goodness. He, he's close, man. He is close. So 12 to one. I'm happy with that number for Ryan Blaney. So that'll be it. You know, that's all I'm talking about for him this episode. No more Blaney talk. For those who are sick of me bringing him up, but I had to get it in there. Um, the last guy I'm, I'm going to call out, bit of a long shot, right? So I called out some chalky guys at the top of the field. This one, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a swing here. You know, kind of, uh, I'm not a coward. I got to go for it. So Eric Jones, plus 3,000 is my long shot for this segment of the podcast. Just calling out winners here. I'm looking to take him in other places as well. So things like top tens, if the number speaks to me, or a head-to-head matchup or two, uh, because Eric Jones has some really good stats. In Atlanta last year, he finished fourth and 14th. His last seven super speedway races, he has one top five, three top tens, and five top 20s. So again, those numbers, those top tens and 15s and 20s, if you're seeing consistency there, to me, that speaks to, you know, head-to-head matchup type stuff, right? If he's five for seven in top 20s, he's keeping the car clean on racetracks. That's really tough to do so. In 2022, his stats are really impressive. Uh, his average finish is fifth in NASCAR, 12.7. His driver rating out of everyone in the sport is second last year on the super speedways, 93.9. And his true performance ranking on win the race is first eric jones in that 43 car is first on super speedways for true performance rankings so he has not 
been great. Like my hand is up on this one. This season, he's just not someone who has had it together. I don't know what it is. Legacy Motor Club just struggling. But this is a huge opportunity for a bounce back for this team because they are not dumb. Like they have to be looking at these stats as well and saying to themselves, hey, there's an opportunity to get back into the swing of things. So going off of the old data from last year, I shouldn't say old data, going off of what the data tells us from the last year, Super Speedway Racing, this is legitimate. And a guy who is 30 to 1 with these stats, to me, I see value here. So I'm in on Eric Jones because of his last season's performance on these racetracks. Eric Jones, 30 to 1, is the last guy that I'm going to call out. He is my swing for the fences type deal in this segment. So it's Ross Chastain, 12 to 1, Ryan Blaney, 12 to 1, and Eric Jones, 30 to 1 to win the race. All right, all right, all right. All right, so normally I break things up and I call some things out for finishing position and then I get into some head-to-head matchups. But on this week's episode, because I was saying, kind of treating this a little bit lighter, um, I'm calling out guys who I'm trying to make money off of in some way, shape, or form. So I'm going to be calling out kind of a hodgepodge and we're going to be calling out top tens and head-to-heads, among other things here. So... I'll start as an example because the first guy that comes to mind here is Josh Berry. He is plus 200, for example, to finish in the top 10. Now, that might be a heavy task for a a fill-in driver, but let me try to explain to you why i am got my eyes on Josh. I haven't thrown this bet in yet, but plus 200 for a top 10 is the first thing that I saw with him and made me think, wow, you know, I know Chase was good here last year, but what can we do? Chase's numbers last year in the nine car were absolutely unreal um, at this racetrack and on super speedways in general. I mean, he's the best average finish in the sport on super speedways. He won the summer Atlanta race. So that in itself, you should say, all right, well, the team, you know, isn't going anywhere. That race car is going to be hooked up. Um, So how's the driver? Well, Barry... In the Xfinity Series, he finished second at the race, one of the races in Atlanta last year. So I would say that he's a pretty capable replacement, and he's not hopping into a shitbox. He's hopping into, like, the premier car for this racetrack. So I think you kind of say to yourself, right, at super speedways, anybody can get it done. That's what you usually say. That's why people love Daytona. They love Talladega. It's because somebody could come from you know the back of the pack and they could win the race. So if we're saying that there's a guy who is very capable and he's in one of the best cars in the garage, why wouldn't you consider that? Like the odds are definitely not computing with these stats. Now, you got to take into consideration the human element to it. He is a rookie. There's a little bit of stress there. But I mean, this car in itself, the nine car has the number one true performance rank Um, on super speedways in nascar so you know i didn't include chase in some of these other rankings when i was calling things out for the other guys we've already talked about but it needs to be said when you're talking about josh barry like that nine cars real deal now top 10 doesn't really speak to you here then how about a head-to-head matchup because he's going head-to-head against chase briscoe and instead of you know beating 30 guys he just has to finish ahead of one dude Minus 115. Briscoe last year kind of struggled on super speedways. Now, I'm not saying he's a bad super speedway driver by any means, but he had three wrecks last year. Not very consistent. And, 
you know, that could be problematic. So even if, you know, Barry goes out and has like a mid-pack day, if Briscoe has a similar ride like he did uh, three times last year, then you could just win kind of by default in that head-to-head matchup. So um, I like Barry as a replacement driver in one of the best cars in NASCAR on super speedways. So plus 200 for a top 10. Might want to shop that around a little bit. He got a top 10 at Phoenix. So he kind of backed into it. I understand that. He rode maybe like 18th most of the race, but took advantage of some late cautions and moved up, got a top 10 finish. If he could do that at Phoenix, then at a super speedway where he's proven to be able to make the car go around the track faster than others, uh, I think that this is a very interesting bet, to say the least. So I got my eye on Josh Berry in a number of different ways here. Another guy who we have to talk about, these next two guys, right? It's almost just like it's a it's become an absolute staple to talk about these guys when we go to super speedway tracks. The first one is Michael McDowell. Now I'm not getting too crazy with McDowell. I, I do have a little bit of a sprinkle on him at 66 to one. I thought that was ridiculous on Barstool. Um, just a tiny, tiny sprinkle on McDowell, just in case he sneaks up. But I'm kind of coming back to reality because last year his stats, you know, they weren't phenomenal if we're talking about like winning the race, but a way to make money, right? That's our segment this week. How do we make money on certain drivers? He's got a situation where he is in Group E on Caesars, and he's going up against Todd Gilliland, Ryan Priest, and Justin Haley. Now, that group of drivers, they're all pretty similar, right? They're guys who are further down the list in the standings and all have shown speed and capabilities on super speedways but mcdowell stands out to me he's plus 230 he's not even the favorite in that group we know like the the cat is out of the bag with michael mcdowell we're all aware that he's good on super speedways he finished 15th in the second race in atlanta last year and he had four out of seven top 15 races in the last seven super speedways so four for seven top 15 Maybe not as consistent as I would have liked. I mean, there was a time where he was like really, really consistently in the top 10 and top 15 on super speedways. But, you know, the last year hasn't been as great. So it has been pretty good, though. 2022, when we're talking about just average finish for those average finish in NASCAR, he's eighth out of everyone. 14.8. He gets unpretty finishes, right? His driver rating's not phenomenal, but for whatever reason, he finds his way into decent finishes on these tracks. So top 15, right? He's got four of them in seven races. Top 15 could easily win you this group at plus 230. That's a, a better value because I think he's going off at plus 200 for a top 10. I'd rather him just beat these guys and, you know, a big wreck comes and all of a sudden, you know, you could win the race or you could win this bet early. So McDowell is someone that I definitely have my eye on for all the reasons that myself and a ton of other people have discussed probably over the last three years. Um, Gillen, Priest and Haley, I think are beatable if you're Michael McDowell. So uh, like I said, a little sprinkle 66 to one, but I don't see that happening. I just can't. I wouldn't be able to stomach that if he did pull it off. But this group, Group E on Caesars, plus 230, McDowell, I like it. The next guy, 
every single person that you're listening to this week, whether it's podcast or on the broadcast or NASCAR radio or whoever, we're going to be talking about Corey LaJoy. Uh, he opened up at 50 to one. I took a little sprinkle on them on him there. If you remember, he was double that last year and, and shout out Cody Zeebs. Um, I remember that second Atlanta race. I'm mowing my lawn, listening to Cody and Rod on their podcast. And he was like, yeah, little sprinkle on, on Corey LaJoy. Like, why not? I stopped mowing my lawn and threw a couple bucks on him. And by God, he was up there leading the race in stage three. So his odds are not a hundred to one anymore. He's cut in half 50 to one, but there's reason for that. There's good reason for that. Um, his top 10 number is plus 200. I think that that's worth looking at, but I still think the top 10 is a bit of a tall order for this team. I mean, even when he had a great run last year, right? He got into the wall, I think thanks to Chase Elliott a little bit, but got into the wall and did not finish uh, in the top 10. So I think the best bet here is to kind of pick on Todd Gillen. Um, this is less about Gillen being you know, not serviceable and more about LaJoy and trying to take advantage of, you know, his situation here because he is going to be a popular pick. I don't know if he's going to pull off a top 10, but if you think just beat one other guy, I mean, he's been solid. And the other thing is he's been good this year, not just on super speedways, but like this year, he's been strong, like real strong and getting a couple top tens, I believe. Um, so if you're looking at his last few super speedway races he's four for seven top 20 in his last seven two for seven for todd gillen so if we're trying to do like a compare and contrast situation you know gillen doesn't have the same consistency uh he beats gillen on average finish from 2022 super speedways 19.7 to 22.3 so there's that if gillen scares you off a little bit and, you know, you don't want that head-to-head -head matchup at minus 125. You want a little better odds. He's going off in Group F on Caesars, plus 260 to try to beat Ty Gibbs, Harrison Burton, and Noah Gregson. That hodgepodge of drivers just kind of scares me. I guess Gibbs hasn't really figured it out this week. Burton, or this year rather, Burton's been good but terrible at getting finishes on super speedways. And Gregson's just a total wild card. So... That could be more up your alley if you don't like the minus 125 number to beat Gillen. But I think you have to figure out a way to throw something down on the joy because he's got all the momentum in the world. Everybody's talking about him. And this is a racetrack where he had his best performance last year. So um, LaJoy, you got to give him a look. I'm throwing out a few different ways to take money on him. You might find a, a way on your own. And if you do, send it my way because I'm always looking to kind of improve the overall card and what we have going on here. So let me know if you find something. But LaJoy, definitely somebody you're going to want to take a look at. So now I kind of stumbled onto this next one. And I actually might think this is my favorite bet of the week. I, it's a little early to feel this way. But it's always kind of fun when you have a bet that you're trying to hunt down and you find something different. To me, that is like the strongest type of bet. So I wanted to say, all right, how do I make some money on Bubba Wallace this week? Because, you know, he was jumping off the page to me a few times for super speedway stats and, you know, how do I do that? Well, I didn't really like what I was seeing with Bubba. He's minus 110 so far on, on 
DraftKings top tens. By the way, DraftKings offering top tens. Shout out DraftKings. They haven't offered top tens all damn year. All of a sudden, they're coming out of left field with Atlanta. I guess they rolled out of bed. I don't know. But good on them. The odds, you know, they're not horrible, but they're not great. Minus 110 for Bubba in the top 10. Eh, I didn't like it. So I, I went over to Top Toyota. And I was thinking to myself, Top Toyota for Bubba, that's not a horrible bet. And even digging into the stats, I don't really think it's a bad bet. But I, in doing so, found he's second in most big categories to the same driver. And I was like, holy shit. Like, how about this becomes the bet? And it's Martin Truex Jr. for top Toyota. Now, hear me out here because I was kind of shocked myself. Like, why would I want this? But again, Bubba was plus 450 and Truex is beating him and every other Toyota in, you know, these categories here. So if you're looking at 2022 Super Speedway average finishes, 11.8 is his average finish. That's the best Toyota and third best driver overall. He's got the fifth best driver rating overall, 81.4. That's the best out of all the Toyotas as well. He's the only Toyota in the top 10 for the true performance rankings on win the race. That happens to be sixth out of everyone in 2022 super speedway races. Last year at Atlanta, he finished eighth and 11th. So you're going to get a pretty consistent finish if things work out a similar fashion here he has in his last seven super speedway races one finish outside the top 15 so you talk about consistency truex on super speedways like i feel like i'm in bizarro world but i guess i haven't been paying attention to him specifically so six of seven races in the top 15 and you're trying to be the top toyota and by the way i'm bearing the lead here he's plus five Hundred, Hamlin is shorter odds than him. Chris Bell, shorter odds than him. Bubba Wallace, shorter odds than him. So plus 500, if you're looking for like a value play here, I think that this is a pretty solid situation. And my thought was, damn, like I like this, but he needs to step it up. He really needs to figure it out. But if you're looking at this year, he's got the second best average finish out of all the Toyotas. He's behind Christopher Bell and not by much. So He's kind of just been a sneaky situation here, a sneaky cat. Um, snake in the grass, I don't know. I'm not taking him to win the race, but top Toyota plus 500, that's pretty good value, I think. I mean, am I crazy? Let me know. The last real bet that I'll take, actually, I have two left. Head-to-head matchup. I needed something. I needed to find some value somewhere. And I'm landing on Daniel Suarez over Eric Almirola. It's minus 120. Trackhouse was so damn good last year at Atlanta. Like, there, there's no getting around that. There were three drivers last year at both Atlanta races who had top 10 finishes. Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, and Daniel Suarez. He had one top five, which was a fourth place finish, and a sixth place finish. So fourth and sixth for Suarez. He's got four top tens in his last seven super speedway races. A little surprising there as well. So I love when I kind of find stats like this about guys that I maybe wouldn't have thought or haven't really been paying attention to. Eric Almirola had a fifth place finish in the 2022 Daytona 500. And since then, he hasn't done shit. He had actually an eighth place finish at the second Atlanta race, but that is it. 
Everything else is, you know, not great. So I think this is a situation where we're saying for most of this year, actually all of this year, the data that we've been pulling from 2022 has led us to be quite profitable. It's been leading us in a good direction overall. So if we're going to apply that same concept to this race, I think it makes the most sense to take Suarez over Almirola in this head-to-head matchup because of what we're saying about Trackhouse being good, Suarez being good at this track, and just at the style track overall in general. I would not have thought this like two years ago, Almirola would have been the pick here for me because he usually strikes me as a super speedway guy, but apples to apples, that has not really been the case. So Suarez is my pick in this matchup. He's 25 to one. I don't know if I'm going that crazy, but I mean, hey, two top six finishes last year at Atlanta. If it's pack racing again, like we're all assuming it's going to be, comes down to the wire there. Why not the 99? So um, maybe you'd behoove you a little bit to sprinkle a little bit on him. So Suarez over Almirola is the head-to-head pick. That's the last head-to-head or anything like that I have. I just have one final thought. And I want to shout out my buddy Nick. We were texting earlier, and he said it perfectly. Chevy is just on fire. And what he said is, how can you not take Chevy until someone else proves you wrong? And Chevy plus 110 this weekend, you can get that on Barstool right now. I would shop it around. Maybe others have it at a different number. But plus 110, as soon as I saw they were plus money, and I think that's the super speedway effect. But when you're thinking about all the super speedway drivers, Chevy's got the camp, man. And they've just been on it. So prove me wrong. This is a bet that I'm fine taking now. And if I lose this bet, okay, good for you. Good for you, Ford. Good for you, Toyota. You know, you got it done. You proved me wrong. I'm fine taking that L. But I feel good putting this bet down. Chevy is the king of the mountain. They're playing king of the hill right now, just like sixth grade recess, right? Anybody play that game? Got the, the hill in the recess yard, and you know, got the guy who makes it to the top of the hill, throws everybody else down. You get up there, you're the king of the hill until you get your ass thrown down the hill. Chevy's on top of the hill right now. So let's see if anybody can come up and knock them down this weekend. My bet, clearly, is that is not going to happen. We've talked about a lot of drivers in this episode, and a lot of them are Chevys. So kind of naturally lent me to that position. So Chevy plus 110 is how I'm going to round out my segment here. It's not a head-to-head. It's not finishing. We're just calling it guys we can try to make money on. That's how we're going to finish it off. Firm, but with little give. Yep, these are medium rare. What if somebody wants theirs well done? We ask them politely yet firmly to leave. So just in a minute here, I'm going to get to our Karch Madness bracket, this new thing I'm going to break down here. But I just want to let you know that if you want, you can take a look if you want a visual element to it. I know you're listening to this on podcast most likely right now. You're not going to stop what you're doing and go to YouTube. But if you want the visual element to this next segment, feel free to head over to the Full Tank with Phil podcast YouTube channel to get the look at the bracket and the reveal as we break it down uh, because it just might make things a little bit more fun for you. So here is that segment for Karch Madness. All right, so if you've been listening to this, 
via the podcast form. This is the part of the podcast that I've teased earlier, sent out a tweet about it earlier in this week as well. And if you found this via YouTube, welcome, because we're not talking about March Madness. We're not talking about the basketball tournament. We're talking about car madness. That's right. This is a NASCAR podcast, and we're turning the NCAA tournament, the, the brackets, into NASCAR-related content. So the tournament's about to start this week. Who isn't excited about it? I mean, I am just over the moon about it. I love it. And the thing about it is it turns everybody into bracketologists. Everybody during this time of year, doesn't matter what you do, what company you have, what you know Instagram handle you have, everybody's trying to change everything into brackets. And I love it. I am a bracketology. I could absorb any piece of information in bracket format and be a pig in shit. So, of course my mind was like, well, how can we make this about NASCAR? And I'm going to give you the kind of long and short of it, long and short of it here, excuse me, right now, I'm creating a pool for anyone who's listening to this podcast right now. If you want in on the pool, if you're the first eight people to send me a message, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or whoever, let me know if you want in. After I run down everything that I'm about to talk about here, if you're interested, you send me a message. I think the winner of the pool might get, you know, 160 points if you catch my drift. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll talk about that. If you send me a message, I'll, I'll exchange information with you and we'll figure it out. But don't if you're someone out there who listens to this podcast who hasn't reached out in the past or you want to stay anonymous, no problem. I'm not going to ask you to come on the podcast, anything like that. But if you're interested in playing, that's what I'm looking for. Just let me know if this sounds interesting to you. So I'm going to share my screen for people on YouTube, and I'm going to try to talk this out. Because when my mind went to how can we make something fun because it's March Madness season, this is where I went first. So years ago, before I started the podcast, I actually put something out there on Reddit. And this is, I actually called it Karch Madness, but this was for the playoff system. So whatever year this was, I don't even remember. I was thinking to myself, well, what if they took the second set of 16 guys and they did something fun for them? So my mind went to bracketology and I put everyone into a bracket head to head and said during the same rounds of the playoffs, these guys are going to go head to head and their finishing position will then get them uh, more points and they will move on to the next round if they beat the guy. So um, as you can see on the screen right now, I'm showing what this chart looked like that I created back in the day. Um, Suarez was your one seed. He took on Reed Sorsen and just wiped the floor with them in round one, but he got upset by Ty Dillon in round two. Um, so Paul Menard ended up winning this whole thing. He was your champion and it was perfect. We had four rounds of the playoffs, including Homestead as the championship race. We had a, a sweet 16 to work off of. So my mind went here, you know, head to head matchups. How can we make it work? And that's what led me to building this bracket. We've got three rounds because 
way I landed on three was because I want this to correspond with the basketball tournament. We've got three weekends of basketball action for March Madness, so we'll have the same for Karch Madness. Now, it'll start with Atlanta, go to Circuit of Americas, and then end at Richmond. I think that is a perfect situation here because it's such a wonky part of the schedule. We've got this, like, intermediate super speedway track, then we're going to a road course, and then we're going to a short track. The only thing that can make it even more wonky is if we added in the, the dirt track at Bristol, but um, we're fine with these. So then the conversation was, well, who enters the bracket? How do we select who's going to be in it? Do we go with some of the bigger name guys or what else could we do? And I wanted to focus on stuff that I've actually talked about for a while. And it led me to something that I think is going to be very fun to see play out here, which was a topic of discussion last year among some people when we did the sportsbook roundtable. So the first point that I'm making is we want to see more matchups on sportsbooks with some of the lower tier guys, the back marker guys. You know, I'm not trying to insult some of these dudes, but like the guys who are not in it every week to win the race. So how can we make that happen? We are going to include the last eight drivers in the point standings that run full time. That is what's going to make our bracket for Karch Madness. So we've got drivers competing for the championship in November. These guys are competing for a championship in the springtime. So might not be one that they want to be in, but Hey, you win Karch Madness. That could send you off to a good, um, a good momentum for the summertime. So you got, you have a chance to win two titles. So that's going to make up the bracket. We're going to do the reveal here in just a second. But the other point that I want to call out and what I think could be fun for people who want to be in the pool is we talked about the concept of sports books, including a spread with head to head matchups. How do we make it so that we can bet on some of these lower tier guys on a weekly basis against some of the bigger name guys? And the way to bring them into the game outside of just having them play each other the whole time is a spread. So most people are used to that term with every other sport, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. So, for example, if you're not familiar with it in football, the Eagles could be minus five and a half point favorites over the Panthers. Shout out Chris and Ian from Flag Hunting Pot. And that means that they need to win by more than five and a half points in order for me to cash my bet. That can apply in NASCAR. That's how we're going to do this pool. So if you want in, we're going to show you, and I'm going to reveal the matchups, but also the first spreads of the tournament. So that means that if you have a driver, right? If you tell me that you're in and you want to be involved in the pool. We're going to pick names out of a hat in order to assign you to a driver. So if you get the worst dude in the tournament, if we weren't doing this spread situation, the only option you would have is the other guy wrecks out. This makes it so that everybody has a fighting chance for the most part. So I think this has potential to be pretty fun for anyone competing and also fun For anyone who's not, because you kind of take some side action on, you know, what we think these bets are going to be. I am not involved in this. I'm not going to be participating. I am the facilitator of it, and I'll be setting the lines along with, you know, getting some input from some other people that I know and trust. 
So that's the game. I hope it sounds fun to you. And I hope you reach out to me to try to participate. Like I said, it could be, you know, something at the end as far as uh, maybe 160 points when we shake things out in the end of the day. But let's get to the actual bracket because I'm sure your mind is going to, well, who's in the bottom eight people of the point standings. And last Sunday was selection Sunday for the basketball tournament. It was selection Sunday for the Karch Madness tournament as well, because Phoenix set the field and these guys didn't know it, but the tournament was set when they crossed the finish line at Phoenix. So we've got eight drivers, four matchups. We're going to start right in the middle and give you the first taste of the spread. So we're going to zoom in here on YouTube and we're going to reveal the first matchup. It's the four five matchup and it's Noah Gregson versus Todd Gillen. Gillen is the four seed Gregson, the five seed, but we're giving Gregson. He's actually the favorite, but it's not by much. These two guys, I did a lot of digging here to try to give this a, a spread. And this is by far the shortest or the smallest spread you're going to see. In the tournament thus far, minus 1.5 spots uh, for Gregson. So just to reiterate the concept here, if you've got Noah Gregson, you are going to need him to beat Gillen by more than 1.5 positions on the racetrack in order to cash your ticket into the next round of the tournament. So I think this is a pretty interesting matchup. Both these guys have kind of struggled this season. Gillen's even more of a wild card because he's been moving in and out of the 15 and the 38 car. Gregson, you know, really trying to get his feet underneath him in his rookie season. So 1.5, I think that's a fair number. Um, now, that's not to say the numbers can't move, you know, over time, but I think these are the numbers we're going to rock with for the first round. And then, you know, we'll see how things go and how people enjoy it. So Gregson versus Gillen. Gregson, the slight favorite here in the 4-5 matchup. Now we'll move to the 3-6 matchup. And there are some bigger name drivers that are in this. And it kind of starts here. Harrison Burton is the three seed. He's taking on Cody Ware. So in most cases, Cody Ware is not going to have a, a real chance against Harrison Burton. But Burton has not really been off to a great start this season, but he's still been better than Cody Ware. So he's giving up seven and a half points. The spread is minus seven for Harrison Burton. So Cody Ware is in the ball game here. Burton, we talked about him earlier in the podcast about taking someone else in the group bet that he's in because Burton does well in the race. He just hasn't gotten great finishes. He's been like mid-20s, 23, 24 Cody Ware is not near that. Um, so this is a decent line, in my opinion. Cody Ware can finish. If, if he can finish in the 20s, that plus 7.5 is really going to be beneficial to him uh, because if Burton has a finish like he's been getting, that's going to put him in the, the 20s. So that could get Cody Ware the victory in this matchup and the upset in the 3-6 matchup here. So um, Cody Ware plus 7.5 against Harrison Burton. Now we're going to go down to the bottom of the bracket for the 2-7 matchup, and you're going to be shocked. If you haven't looked it up already, you're going to be shocked who the two-seed is, and it is 
Eric Jones. Eric Jones, not off to a good season. We called him out as a potential long shot to win the race at Atlanta. He's taking on BJ McLeod, who is just the perennial last place finisher in NASCAR. And so he's giving up the largest spread we'll see this week in the tournament, minus 15 and a half for Eric Jones. This is a big one because if Jones can go out and perform like a lot of us, my hand included, thinks that he can, well, he's going to have this one going away because I don't see B.J. McLeod really cracking the top 30. But if he finishes 30th, that's putting some pressure on Jones to finish top 15. So I think this matchup's a real good one. And I think the spread, as large as it is, it's the reason why we're doing this, because if your name got pulled out of the hat and you got assigned to BJ McLeod, you're basically like, okay, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, but now you've got some life. So we'll see if BJ McLeod can do enough on a super speedway to beat Eric Jones, who is has to be disappointed that he's in this tournament to begin with, but maybe this is the momentum that he needs for the rest of his season. So now we'll go to the top of the bracket for round one of Karch Madness. And it is Ryan Priest, the one seed, taking on Ty Dillon, eighth seed. And he is also giving up quite a good amount of spots here. Ryan Priest minus 13 and a half. Now, this is an interesting one because Ty Dillon in years past, driving the 13 car, even driving the 42 last year, I think you'd be getting uh, a smaller number here in this matchup. Um, Like if this was Cole Custer versus Ty Dillon in this matchup last year, I think you'd be seeing a much smaller number. But Ty Dillon in that 77 has been absolutely dismal. Like he and BJ McLeod. How about, hey, let's go back to the sports books. Just give me Ty Dillon versus BJ McLeod every damn week. And I'd be, you know, thrilled to look at that one. But in any case, Ryan Priest, someone else getting back into the swing things, hasn't really, you know, shined yet, except for the clash where he kind of turned some heads. Now we're going to a super speedway where he's had some success. So he's given up quite a good amount of points here, positions here, 13 and a half. But it seems fair when you look at how bad Ty Dillon has been this year, even at Daytona. I'm pretty sure Ty finished dead last at Daytona, which is a racetrack that he should do fairly well in. So um, that is the bracket. Priest versus Dillon. Priest giving up 13 and a half, minus 13 and a half. Then in the four or five, it's Gregson minus one and a half against Gillen Burton minus seven and a half against Cody Ware and Eric Jones, the two seed minus 15 and a half against the seven seed BJ McLeod. So the winners will move on to the final four in a road course situation, which will be even more crazy to set the lines for next week. So I hope that this made sense. I hope that this sounds fun to want to do and we'll see what kind of reaction we get. I hope, you know, if you're someone who hasn't reached out in the past, this might get you to do that and you get involved in this tournament. Um, And we'll do another video to draw names out of a hat and see where people land. So that is Karch Madness, the intro, the bracket reveal. And we will see in a few weeks who is crowned champion of Karch Madness. Who's going to be cutting down the nets figuratively, the the NASCAR equivalent to cutting down the nets this year, Karch Madness. So just wanted to also throw out there this week, 
going to be a busy week. You can find me on the NASCAR betting preview show on Wednesday night on Twitter at 8 o'clock. Catch that live or the recording at any other time in the week. And we're also jumping on with Derek on the NASCAR betting preview show podcast to talk trucks this week because the trucks are back and they're going to be back in action for multiple weeks in a row. So I'm excited about that. So that will do it for another episode of the full tank with Phil podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope everything that we broke down tonight is hitting you the right way. Make some money in Atlanta, get involved in this March Madness bracket that we're putting together here, and we'll have a little fun in this stretch of the schedule. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next week for Road Course Racing. Place to go. Hell, no place to go.